Welcome to the Adoptee Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Guida Richards, an author, adoptee, and mom. Each week, we will delve into the nuances of adoption, as well as tips for how to bring up difficult discussions in your adoptive family. And most importantly, we will not shy away from tough topics. So thanks for joining me today, and let's jump into your weekly dose of Adoptee Thoughts. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Maria Richmond, and I live in Houston, Texas. And what kind of adoption was yours? So mine was an international adoption, and it was also a transracial adoption. I was born in Quito, Ecuador, and I was adopted and brought to the United States. Uh, I know you mentioned that you were adopted at two, right? Yes. Do you remember anything around that age before you came to the United States? I do not. I really wish that I had some sort of memory, but but I don't. I um all of that is kind of yeah, that has not that has not remained in my mind at all. Mhm. Do you remember how your adoptive parents told you your story of adoption? You know, I don't remember the specific time. Um, because we don't look alike, um, they're white, um, and I am dark skin. Uh, it was pretty obvious that we were different, but I can't remember like the specific time. Um, mm-hmm. But I know I, I remember that anytime I had some questions, um, she would my mother would tell me what she knew, what the nuns told her. And it was always, there were so many holes, you know, there just wasn't enough information that really satisfied me, but it just was pretty much, you know, I was brought to the orphanage and my mother tried to care for me and, and that was about it. Were you comfortable discussing adoption with your family? Um, I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember I would ask some questions as I got older, just because I began to really get interested in it, but there was never really a time where it was like awkward. It was more, it was more in the sense that they didn't have a lot of information. So it kind of was just like, you know, what's the point of bringing it up because they can't fill any empty gaps. You know, they've already, they've already told me what they know. And even then Mm -hmm. over the years, um, some of that has changed just because they've gotten older and, you know, their memory isn't that great. When did you first realize that you were a different race than your than your family? Well, I've always known that I was different because I look different. My mother, you know, was fair skinned uh-huh. and she was tall and, you know, she had straighter hair. And I kind of remember, you know, looking at her, looking at my siblings and just noticing that we were different. But I, I didn't, it wasn't like a, as of a, big deal as when I was younger as it was as I got older and I just noticed that there was there was nothing to compare as far as you know what we look like um so it just I don't know it there was not like a specific time um that I can recall a specific memory or any of that that I just knew I just remember whenever I asked questions and that's Mm -hmm. when she said you know she brought up my mother and the orphanage. And so I just, it was just, like I said, it was just kind of like an empty story. And yeah, 
I just knew that I came from another woman somewhere else. Did your parents try to incorporate your birth culture at all while you were growing up? Unfortunately, no. And it really began to affect me as I got older and I moved um, out on my own and I had uh, my first child. And I began, I was, my husband and I are really big on traditions. And I began to realize that I didn't have any traditions that I grew up with that were from my, my culture. I don't really know why they didn't. Um, I'd like to think that they didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Um, When I, so I have some adoption, uh, I have adoption folder and they're, there's my home study in there. And I was looking at it a few months ago and I noticed that the social worker had typed on the document that, you know, my parents agreed to um, incorporate my culture um, back in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it kind of stood out to me. And I, and I was talking to my husband. I'm like, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any culture um, being, you know, an influence in my growing up. And I don't really know why. And, you know, I, I hope to ask my mother soon mm-hmm. um, just because it's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big part of my growing up and to, to not have it and to try and incorporate it now. It's, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. What year were you adopted in? Uh, 1987. Okay. I was adopted in 93. And even then, I don't think there was as much information as there is now on the importance of incorporating culture. Not that that's an excuse at all, but I've noticed that a lot of adoptees that I've spoken with that were adopted before me or around the same time as me didn't have adoptive parents that that often would try to make those extra steps that um, we now know are so important uh, in the adoption community. So I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was, I was surrounded with a lot of love. And so I think that that was like their focus. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like I said, I don't think that it was done like maliciously, like, you know, we're going to, you know, whitewash this child or anything in that nature. It just (laughs) was, it was just not like, it just wasn't thought of. And I really, I really try and tell people who are are trying to adopt or who ask questions, I always try and make sure that they know that exists and how important it is because um, not many people do. Mm-hmm. You know, they think, oh, you can learn it now. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, but it's different. It, <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it definitely is. And I know I just saw um, your post on Instagram about learning Spanish. And that just like made me have all the feels because Mm. I was brought up with Italian culture being the primary one in my family. And my parents, they spoke Italian. My grandparents, they spoke Italian. So like I was almost completely fluent at one point. But when I found out about my Mm. adoption, like I kind of threw that away. And so I started to try to learn Spanish to, to get to know more about my birth roots. But... It's just been such a difficult road for me to uh, to actually sit down and try to learn it because I just feel so embarrassed for not knowing. Like I feel like it's it's something that should be intrinsic almost. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it, it's a huge loss, and you're having to incorporate it back in your life after so many years. And it it's just 
I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm an imposter mm. um, trying to learn this language that is mine, yet it really isn't mine. Um, so yeah, the journey to learning Spanish has been very emotional. Um, I cried, we signed it for a Spanish class and I, I, I cried um, signing up. I cried searching for, for the right, you know, course to take. And it was, you know, it was a bittersweet moment and I almost was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is just so traumatic Yeah, that I don't know if I want to open up this wound, um, and venture in there and see what, where it takes me. Mm -hmm. And like uh, native speakers and like people who have grown up with Spanish in their households, their response to me is just like, just learn it, you know, like just watch telenovelas and, um, you know, just use it in your day to day mm -hmm. life. But non adoptees, I feel like they don't understand, like you mentioned, like the trauma and the pain that comes with facing these things when we've We've been, well, I personally was whitewashed most of my life. So now learning about these things is, is very difficult. Oh, yes. It, it, it is. It's hard to explain because it, it almost, it's got to look like from the outside that you're just kind of crying and you're just whining about it. Um, and so mm -hmm. when I explain it to people, I, I try and say like, it's so much deeper than me just not knowing this language. Like it just, it was so traumatic growing up and people trying to talk to me and I, I had to tell them I didn't speak Spanish. And then the older folks that spoke Spanish, I know they didn't believe me, you know? And so I felt like I was disrespecting them. Um, mm -hmm. And so it just, it, it's not, it's not just like me trying to learn another language. It's, it's, it's from, it, it's from years of not knowing it. And, and now I'm trying to, to learn it and hopefully feel authentic while I'm speaking it to people. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like a part of reclaiming our identity oh, yes. and, and as adoptees, especially intercountry adoptees, like we were literally taken from our place of birth with a birth mother who carried us for nine months. And there have been many studies that show just like how much an infant will pick up on um, the sights, sounds, smells um, that their, their birth mother is around. So, mm -hmm. and then you were there until age two. So that's just mm -hmm. even more like, I know you mentioned in the survey that I had you fill out that, that you had to learn English because you were starting to already mm -hmm. learn Spanish. Did your parents ever talk to you about that at all? Mm -hmm. About how um, they had, to, you know, the experience of teaching you English rather than Spanish? Yes, you know, so I had a really traumatic event um, or an experience rather, I took a college Spanish course and I know for sure that the Spanish teacher expected me to know more than I did. I mean, I literally didn't know anything. I might've known numbers and, you know, some basic nouns, um, or verbs, mm -hmm. but I, 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 I struggled and I ended up having to drop the class and I never wanted to touch it again. Like it was just too traumatic. And when I would talk to my mom about it and even bringing it up now, as I'm relearning it, I'm taking courses weekly. You know, one of the things that she says is that I just wasn't interested in it. Hmm. And, you know, I've heard her say it before and I just kind of let it go. And then I'm like, you know, no, no, I, I have to I have to explain the scenario because um, what she feels and what actually happened are two different things. And so, you know, now that she knows that my, I've connected with my birth family, she knows that I'm trying to communicate with them because they don't speak English. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had to say, you know, no, mom, I, 
really actually wanted to know Spanish. And, you know, maybe because nobody spoke it at home that I had no reason to learn it. So, mm-hmm. so yes, in one sense, I didn't want to know it, but what was the reason behind it? And she just yeah. kind of, you know, she kind of got, grew silent and I, you know, I wasn't trying to attack her, but that, that's the truth. Like that's, that's really what happened. Um, but she did say that I picked up English pretty quickly. She said I was eager to learn it. And she also did say that the nuns at the orphanage told my parents not to speak Spanish to me because they didn't want them to say it wrong. They didn't want them to speak it wrong, but also they kind of wanted me to to lose it. They wanted me to kind of move away from that. (sighs) Some of the adoption practices just like make me incredibly frustrated. Um, Yeah, I, I was kind of... You know, I'm thinking if your intent is to help these kids, you know, erasing their culture and erasing all that they know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it it ends up, you know, leaving a lot of scars um, as we grow older and, and are navigating through our journeys. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, you mentioned that your experience with your adoptive family was relatively good, right? Yes. And... Um, I know a lot of adoptees, not all, but a lot, do struggle with connections with their adoptive families. So it's it's kind of nice to hear a story where you do have a good connection with your family. As you started to open up to, to learning more about your birth culture mm-hmm. and stuff, did you find that that uh, put any strain on your relationship with your parents? You know, they were, they, they, they spoke uh, in support when I told them that I was going to be learning Spanish, you know, they, she kind of, you know, made the comment that she did. Um, and then she said, you know, well, we're happy for you. And, you know, you know, we, we know that you want to be able to communicate with your birth family. Um, but it, it, it was really kind of, it was, it's, I'm just kind of left up. It's, I'm left to my own, you know, in, to be in charge of what I learn and what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I moved out of their house, when I was about 20. So it's been quite a while since I haven't been at their house. So a lot of the journey began out of their home. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really have too much influence on whether or not I was going to seek. It was just kind of, I am, I am doing this for me. Yeah. Um, But they, they, they've been supportive when I tell them things. Um, If I don't tell them stuff, they don't genuinely ask. And I think maybe because they don't know what to ask or I think that they just want to kind of be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes when I talk to them and I bring up stuff, I'm kind of a little timid about it uh, just because it's, it's, it's kind of, it's weird, you know, like how do you talk about your other family that you have been so desperately trying to find out and and seek yeah um, but as far as the culture goes no I you know I, I I talked to my mother about it she's the one that I typically talk to about this stuff and she kind of I think she just she wants to understand where I'm coming from but I don't I still don't think that she understands the bigger picture of it all mm-hmm. so yeah it's not 
yeah, there's not really much that goes on as far as the culture conversation with them. Gotcha. I, when I first found my birth family, I, I waited weeks before I told my adoptive family. Mm. Uh, I was super nervous about, about breaking the news. Not so much to my dad, because my dad's kind of chill with this stuff. But mm. my mom, like, mm. she has never been good with discussing uh, anything adoption related without getting into a fight with me about it. And I didn't want to hurt her. And I know that's that's a mm. question that adoptees who do end up searching get a, often. Like, what did your family feel about it? And it can be incredibly frustrating because as adoptees, I feel like a lot of us often have so much guilt mm -hmm. about wanting to search for her birth family in the first place. And that's often like one of the first questions that people who aren't in the adoption community ask us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, so uh, when you first found your birth family, did you tell your uh, adoptive family right away or did you kind of wait a little bit? Well, you know, they've known that I've tried to search in the past, whether it's connecting, um, trying to connect with the orphanage or, you know, just trying to look for people. It wasn't until 2014 that I actually found my birth mother's name. And I also found that I had a sibling. Mm -hmm. So up until then, I knew nothing. I, you know, I often wondered if I, you know, came into the world uh, by a stork, you know, my mind just was like, this doesn't make sense. I don't know how I came into this world. <laughs> and so I think when I found the name, I think it's when it became real to them. Yeah. And then this year when it all happened, it all happened so fast. I, I had pictured it going so differently. I had pictured going to Ecuador. I, I had pictured, you know, going to the orphanage and then, and then going through that way, you know, and I never, mm -hmm. I never expected to be able to find somebody to help me on Facebook and then somebody finding her and then connecting me with her. Yeah. And so when it happened, my parents, my parents that live here in the U.S. were the first people that I called because I knew that happened in February when I reached out to a specific person. And then I talked to my birth mother for the first time in April. And so at that point, I was still expecting to travel to Ecuador. And so when it happened, I called my parents and I said, I found her. And they said, who, what? And I said, my birth mother, I found her. She's in Ecuador and like this is really happening. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, what next, what next? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, this is, this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I, and I told them and then, and then afterwards I got this weird feeling and I was just like, man, like I, I kind of got the guilty feeling. And I told myself, mm. I said, you know, I'm going to back off on telling them things right away because the instant guilt would creep up and yeah. then it would make me feel really crappy about what I was doing. And so I told myself, you know, all growing up, people often would, when they noticed, because it was evident that I was adopted and the topic came up, they were always, you know, kind of praising my parents for being these amazing people. Mm -hmm. And I never really got to say much, you know, nobody really said, you know, how does this, how was adoption, you know, for you? And so I really decided when I began to search and I had the ability to connect with my birth mother that I decided that I was going to kind of be alone in it and have mm -hmm. my husband by my side 
um, and have some close friends that had been with me from kind of the beginning, but I kind of backed away from my adopted parents because I didn't want to feel guilty. And I knew that guilty was not like it was normal, but I, mm-hmm. I, I knew that I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. And so they kind of are the last people to know things, honestly. Um, When something occurs, if I have a conversation with one of my birth siblings or if I have a conversation with my birth mother, my birth father, I don't tell them right away. Um, I kind of, I kind of wait so that I can really fully kind of enjoy or take in or, you know. See how you feel before. Right. Yeah, I don't want any outside influences. I don't want anybody to say anything negative about them. I don't want anybody to say anything negative about what I'm feeling. And so I, I've i kind of been doing this um, kind of solo. Really. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. When, I also went through a Facebook person that I met through an adoption group. And um, it was kind of a whirlwind. I didn't expect to find my birth mother that quickly. International adoptions are notoriously difficult to find birth family, right? Yes. And, and so, like, I happened, my parents uh, gave me all of my adoption paperwork. So I had her, my birth mother's ID number and her full name. And I sent that to the investigator, and they found her within like three days. Wow. And I I got that, that message, that DM on Facebook, and they're like, Hey, we found your mother. And I was just like, what? (laughs) What do you mean you found her? Like, this is supposed to take months, if not years. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I wasn't ready. Mm. I wasn't ready at all. I had, I have some medical problems. So that was kind of the the driving force behind uh, searching. Mm -hmm. And so like, uh, I didn't expect my birth mother to, to want, a relationship with me honestly mm-hmm. i was unprepared to the to the weight of what i was actually opening up did you find that you were prepared for the type of relationship now that you have with your birth family or uh have you been adjusting to it oh gosh i somebody i one of my close friends i was talking to her about it because i i hadn't cried i had not cried since I found her and I was wondering like, what is going on? Why, you know, this is like a very emotional thing and I'm I'm not crying. And I found my birth father who came out of the woodwork. I have multiple siblings and, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I had spent over 30 years never like desiring to find them, hoping to find them, but I never really thought it would really happen. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, international adoptions are like you rarely find that they I mean, it's just rare. It really is rare that you find that, you know, uh, people have reunions. And so I really my mind had to really kind of comprehend that this was really happening. And so there it was I was in a lot of denial. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this real? I mean, a couple of times I even asked my husband to pinch me because I'm like, <laughs> is, is this real? Like this lady exists like she exists. She's talking to me. She has a face. She has a history. She has a story. And yeah, it, it took quite a bit of time for me to adjust that I had finally found everybody. And it, 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 it was just, it was a miracle, but at the same time it, it meant, okay, like 
you found them, but there's still so much more to this. Mm-hmm. And now the unpacking of stories. I have so many questions. And I mean, the process is not over, you know, and I, it's not going to be over. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, happy reunion and your hole will be filled. The void will be filled. The puzzle will be found. Uh, the puzzle piece will be found. And in reality, it's like, we're, we're on another road trip. We're on another part of this road trip and we have no idea where it's going to take us. Yeah, you are completely right with that. Like uh, you see in movies and TV all the time, it's just like the happily ever after finding birth family. Now you're just a bigger, <laughs> happier mm-hmm. family, but it's it's not that simple. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to discourage people from searching, but I do want people to be aware that it's very nuanced and there's a lot of emotions. And before searching, you should really uh, probably get a therapist because mm-hmm. um, uh, have a support group of friends and family and just make sure you're really ready because you're not always going to to find out information that is happy. And it can be heartbreaking in a different type of way. Like I know you mentioned your your you had other siblings. Um, I found out that I had several other siblings that my birth mother kept. Uh, and that was kind of hard for me because she got remarried a few years after she had mm-hmm. me and went on to, to kind of have another family, you know, <laughs> and that still kind of bothers me. Mm-hmm. And like, not, like, I'm really happy that she was able to have a family and have other kids and, you know, um, uh, her husband who takes care of her. But it also like as an adoptee, it, there's that part of me is just like, why wasn't I good enough? Why was I the one sent away? And then you kept those children. Mm -hmm. And did you have any of those types of feelings? Yes. Oh, yes. So, you know, when I mentioned that I, I found my, my birth mother and then she said, you have a birth father. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, tell me about him. And she said, he lives in America. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And she, you know, she told me what state he lived in. And I, you know, the investigator that I had become, I went and I searched for him and I I found him. And she, you know, she'd said like, he knew about you. And, you know, he was married at the time. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, okay, what a predicament to have been created in. But I, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't know anything, I think a lot of times adoptees will create scenarios in their heads. So I had already kind of created some crazy scenarios. Um, And then one of them was that, you know, my mother might have been a mistress. Mm -hmm. And so I found him and, you know, he said, I didn't know about you. And it was it it was pretty emotional going through that. And then, you know, then hearing her side and she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You did know. And I'm like, okay, I need to know who's telling the truth. Yeah. And, you know, I had to really, you know, as we keep talking, you know, stuff creeps back up. And so Mm -hmm. the feeling of being unwanted, you know, kind of crept back up. And I'm like, okay, you know, I am loved. I am amazing. And I'm like saying this mantra that I, you know, told myself. But I still felt like if he knew about me, then he made the decision to not step up. Mm-hmm. And then if he didn't know about me, then she had to make this crazy decision. Either way, she had to make this selfless decision. And because of 
their choices, here I am. And I made sure that he knew that I am innocent in all of this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was kind of able to express to him, you know, that yes, people make mistakes, but damn, like, (laughs) you know, think of, think of the people involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you kind of go back and forth and you just wonder like, how deep do I want to go with this? What information do I want to know? And at what point am I going to say, okay, I'm, I'm good with the information that I have. Mm-hmm. My mother had other children. I have just an older brother and then it would be me next. So I know that she had hardship, you know, hearing the stories from my birth siblings. I know that she struggled. So sometimes I get the feeling of almost kind of like survivors, survival, survivors, excuse me, guilt for being over here Mm. And having the privilege that I do have. And I was trying to put that into words. And I remember saying, I I think I have like a guilt for having been given another life, even though I wish that I had stayed with her, you know, and it was just so complicated. And I'm like, these are some weird feelings that I'm feeling. Um, But yeah, the more we learn, the more that we just are kind of trying to take it all in, really. It's it's incredibly complicated, and I, I'm glad that I'm not glad that you had to deal with any of that. But I'm glad that you're able to 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 come on and talk to us about this because I think it's very important for everyone in the adoption community to understand that, uh, like I mentioned before, everything's nuanced and it's it can be difficult for us as adoptees to to see what our birth families situations are and i i think something that we also hear often is that you could have ended up here your parents gave you a better life it was for the best mm-hmm. um but it one of the things that i like to to reinforce is that we don't necessarily have a better life. We have a different life and in different countries Mm -hmm. uh, and different places, the standards of living are different. The the types of communities are different and not everything is as materialistic as the United States. Mm -hmm. And I I think here we put a lot of um, emphasis on how much money we have and the bigger the house and all those, the fancy gadgets and all that stuff. But as we can see with like rich kids in the media, having everything under the sun doesn't make a perfect family. And, mm-hmm. and just having more materialistic things as an adoptee and an adoptive family that doesn't make our adoptive families perfect. And it doesn't make it the, the only option uh, I feel like there it's been a lot of pressure on uh, birth mothers and just to say that you can give your child up for adoption and uh, they'll have this perfect life but even if you come and have a good adoptive family and a good relationship with them as you did like we still as adult adoptees eventually have to deal with all these feelings and emotions and processes as we get to understand our identity yes yes oh my gosh exactly 
did you find any pressure from your birth mother or birth father to to try and come visit? I know it was during a pandemic, <laughs> but uh, did they mention visiting? And how did you handle that if they did? I had planned, I had already planned on trying to go during the summer. Um, this is before meeting them. And I was, like I said, my, the fantasy had been that I was going to go and I was going to find her then. And it didn't happen. The pandemic happened and I realized I, I can't go like as much as I want to go, like I can't go. And they've actually been pretty good. Like it, in Ecuador, it's pretty serious, the pandemic. And so they want me to be safe. Um, and my dad that's in the U.S., he's watching the news uh, in Texas and he's telling me like he understands, you know, he wants to see me, but he understands that I can't make it over there. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was I was really bummed, like, man, I found them, and now I can't go and see them. And the more this stuff started to unpack, the more I realized this is actually kind of working into my favor because I can really digest everything. I can think about it. I can really contemplate what I need from them and what is going to help me heal, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, Neither my mother or my siblings or my father in America knew what happened. They didn't know what happened to me. And when I talked to them about the orphanage, they are like, what, you know, what happened? We had no idea where you went. Mm. So I know they have their own kind of stuff that they're working through. And it's it's actually the upside, which it's hard to say the upside to the pandemic, but it's actually been really helpful in just allowing me to kind of sit with my emotions and kind of work this out before I go and, and, and see them. And it's allowed me to kind of establish kind of these bonds with them. Um, and, you know, I, I talked to my, one of my siblings almost daily. I talked to my birth father almost daily. My birth mother, it's a little bit more difficult to communicate with her um, just because of the type of phone she has. And mm-hmm. I, my, my birth father does speak some English, so I can talk to him. But when I talk to my birth mother, I do have to have a friend translate every conversation. So making sure that aligns up and that she can go and use somebody's phone so that we can talk on the phone um, makes it a little bit complicated. But I think everybody is excited to see one another. And I think also, everybody is, as far as what it seems, everybody is pretty understanding that this is going to be emotional when I get there mm-hmm. for them and for myself. Yeah, yeah. I think what you mentioned about the pandemic kind of giving you a breather, um, I felt that too, because as I mentioned, I wasn't ready to find them that quickly. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. there'd be more time between deciding to sh- search and <laughs> finding them. So like after the f- second I think it was phone call my birth mother was asking me like so when are you coming here Uh, and and I was like what (laughs) whoa (laughs) you need to calm down like I just found out that you were still alive and you existed Mm -hmm. I was actually able to see a picture of her and then that was intense and just to see like Mm -hmm. someone who looks like me and uh share that with my uh siblings that were also adopted into a different family Um, it was just I don't know, <laughs> just a lot. <laughs> and um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just glad that you mentioned w- how good a breather can be to, to kind of let us sit back and digest uh, all of the information because it's intense and it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> so did you, so did you, 
what month, if you don't mind sharing that, what month did you have the reunion? I searched at the very beginning of March, shortly after my birthday. And then I found her like less than a week after. And that's when we set up a phone call. Mm. And, and um, yeah, and like you mentioned, I had to use a translator mm-hmm. because I don't speak Spanish fluently. I understand a decent amount, but I can't speak it mm-hmm. <laughs> worth a dime. And so that's just been incredibly awkward. And I wasn't ready for as intensive a relationship as she expected right away Mm -hmm. because I had to kind of adjust to her. She didn't tell her family about all of her children that she gave up for adoption. And so um, I was kind of the one chosen that they knew about because they only knew about one. And since I was the first one to find her, that's kind of what it came down to basically. And um, so I was kind of dealing with Mm -hmm. a bunch of emotions because I didn't want to disrupt her family. And then like you mentioned the guilt Mm -hmm. that kind of comes with telling my adoptive family, I had no idea how to break the news to them. And so I, I kind of just like, talked to Mm -hmm. her that one time and then didn't message her for weeks and she reached out to the investigator it was like is she okay Mm -hmm. like where where is she and then the investigator kind of lectured me she's like you know this is your mother you need to (laughs) hire a translator because you don't speak spanish and just uh, talk to her and i'm just like i was like i i don't know like i felt like it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) like on their side it made a lot of sense like the investigator i hired she was a birth mother herself so I, I understood that she was yeah. seeing things from her side. But on the other yeah. side, like as an adoptee, I'm like, this is a lot to, to deal with and digest. And this woman has like a secret life mm-hmm. of adopted children. And I, I just wasn't ready to be that uh, intermediary between me and the siblings that uh, I found in the United States. And just it's just a super complicated thing that I was just kind of looking for medical information, you know, and then I unleashed a can of worms that hasn't stopped. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot. Uh, I feel like uh, adoption stories uh, don't get talked about as often as they should, because maybe then adoptees, as we learn and grow as adults, we'd, we'd be more prepared. Um, mm-hmm. because I definitely wasn't. Yeah, no, I, I told, I told my husband, um, because when it all happened, both when I met my birth mother and then met my birth father, I, I was sitting in a lot of silence and he would ask, are you okay? And I'm just like, I'm just wrapping my head around this. And I told him, I said, you know, I was very interested, um, as a teenager trying to find, you know, just trying to know more information. And at that time, it just technology wasn't, you know, Facebook wasn't, didn't Mm -hmm. exist at that time. And, you know, it just, nobody, there was like no handbook on how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so if this had happened when I was 16, I probably would have lost my mind. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like I said, nothing prepares you for this. And so when you get older and, you know, you choose like, okay, I want to find this information, but nobody there, there's just nothing out there. And I'm slowly seeing it now. There's more resources and adoptees are talking more um, and sharing their stories. Uh, before it was the adoptive parents and the adoptive parents were always mm-hmm. talking about the, the birth families or whatever. And I, um, I'm thankful that my parents never did that because 
I guess because they didn't have a lot of information to go by. I don't know. But I, I think they just understood that that was just not something to share. But it, it was really lonely growing up because I didn't know if what I was feeling was normal. And I had to kind of take it upon myself when I ventured in this journey in 2007 that I was going to do this and really nobody really was going to stop me. Um, but hopefully people supported me, but at the same time, I was just going to do whatever I could. And I tried so many different outlets, so many different ways to try and find something. And I just, I always had dead ends. And so now when people talk and you hear adoptees sharing stories and you, then, then you can go in and say, you know, I've been there, I've done that, or you can try this. Or have you tried this? Have you looked into this? And you can always, you know, it's just like a beautiful community that's been created that is allowing us to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, empower ourselves. I, I think that's essential for us because as you mentioned, like I didn't have, I didn't know any other adopted kids when I found out about my adoption. And I know, I don't know. I feel like it's about half and half the kids that, that have been to like culture camps and who have been around adopted, uh, other adopted kids. And then the other half, like we've never even met another adoptee until we were mm-hmm. an adult. <laughs> and the, the first time I actually met an adoptee in person was just like so refreshing because we had so many similar lines of thinking and it just felt like a huge weight off my chest, having someone who understood some of the things I was going through or had gone through and so I'm glad you mentioned the adoption community. Do you feel like if you had some of these outlets like Facebook groups or in, even Instagram um, community uh, that it kind of would have helped you more as a as a teen? Oh, gosh, definitely. I definitely I think it it's so it's it's so necessary to know that you are not alone because I, I feel like we we often are alone and we often feel alone. Um, with our thoughts and searching for them, with identity, um, and our, you know, our adopted parents are just not going to understand the full extent, you know, and I know a lot of them try to, and a lot of them, you know, get educated, but those of us who were adopted pre, like, resources, you know, there's, there's a lot of complications with, you know, what, you know, uh, how our, how our parents did things. Mm-hmm. And I really have to, whenever I kind of get frustrated with my journey and I, and, and I get frustrated, I, I really try not to get too frustrated with my adopted parents because I know they try, but at the same time, I'm just like, it's almost common sense. Yeah. Um, because I'm, you know, I have two kids, I have a 15 year old and a seven year old and, you know, parenting isn't easy. I don't, <laughs> think I'm a perfect, I don't think I'm a perfect parent, but you know, some stuff I'm just thinking it's kind of common sense, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think I've learned that along the way. And that's why I'm able to kind of use that with them. But yeah, the community has definitely given me confidence in connecting with other, even Ecuadorian adoptees um, has really helped me to embrace this journey and know that I am on the right path, um, although it can be difficult at times. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. You you mentioned being a mom. Has has that impacted your, your journey as an adoptee at all? Yes. I, you know, I often wonder, you know, if I'm, you know, I, I always want to make sure that they feel loved um, just because I, I can't speak for every mm-hmm. adoptee, but sometimes we get fears of abandonment. 
And so I, I always really try and make sure that they understand my love and that mm. they, they know, you know, both my kids know that I'm adopted and, you know, they can tell that I don't look like my parents. Um, and they, and they've seen me on my journey and they've met my birth family and stuff like that. And so it has, it has really shown me like, like I was talking about like the traditions and the culture and, you know, I'm kind of late to the game and, and, and exposing them to that stuff. But I think they understand Well, my oldest mostly, she understands that I'm trying to get into it now. And I'm trying to, it's very important to me. It's very important to me to incorporate it. And, you know, she seems pretty understanding of finding my identity and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that I encourage them to do the same for themselves. Yeah. Like I, I totally feel that my, I, my kids are still young. I have a four and three year old and I, I'm trying to learn more about my culture and kind of incorporate that in my day to day life. And my husband's actually half Colombian, but um, his parents didn't really incorporate too much of that growing up. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of with me. We're both a little lost. <laughs> so like recently, um, I, I bought a, a Latin American cookbook and I'm just like, okay, well, food has always been a big part of my life because my adoptive father is a cook. So let me mm. see if I can start that way because I couldn't touch the language thing as we, we discussed. So I'm right. like, I love food. <laughs> this will be a little easier. Um, and a lot of the recipes in uh, Latin cuisine, as you probably know, include platanos. <laughs> I mm-hmm. could not yes. cut a platano if it like if someone was like holding me with like hostage. They were, like cut this properly. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. It took me weeks before I could cut that thing without it coming out looking completely dilapidated. <laughs> and uh, the first few times, I was just like, I am not a Latina. I fail at life. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And I was so mad. I gave up on the recipe. But I kept trying. I kept trying. And uh, let me tell you, when those things came out I perfectly I took pictures and I was like I finally did it yes. I did it <laughs> so awesome. I, uh, I just feel like um I don't know if you're an adoptee and then you later have kids it kind of gives us an added push to to take chances yes. and to get out of our comfort zone and to kind of push that fear aside so because we know what it's like not having uh our culture ingrained into our day-to-day lives and we don't want our kids to to kind of have to deal with that and i don't want my kids to get teased for not being latinos enough or and uh to to be made fun of and calling them a coconut or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. um I think that's just like an added challenge that adoptees have. Um, once we have kids, we have to learn how to then teach our, our own children about their culture that we're not sure about. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're kind of learning together and you're like, hopefully yeah. you're doing yeah. this right. You know, um, I actually incorporated two traditions about mm-hmm. six years ago. Um, it was for New Year's Eve. And so we eat the 12 grapes. We eat all of those. Um, and then we also make the Año Viejo, um, which are like, they're kind of like the figurines, um, not figurines. They you kind of make like a doll, uh-huh. life-size doll. And you stuff it and you create it. And so it's supposed to look like you. You're supposed to burn it in the street and you... Uh, jump over it and you kind of like say goodbye to oh, the wow. year, your old habits and everything. Yeah. Um, now we don't make them life size and we kind of make it to our own like 
specifications just because if I did that here in my street, I probably would get the, the cops <laughs> called on me. Um, so we make little paper ones and then we write notes on them and we, we do burn them in the fire pit. And, you know, each year that we do that, I always look forward to it in the new year um, because it mm-hmm. does allow me to feel a little bit closer to my culture. Um, and the kids at first, they were like, what are we doing? You know, what is going on? But they know, they know now to look forward to mom, you know, getting that stuff out. And like you were talking yeah. about the baking or the cooking, I, I'm going to try and find a book. And I also, um, a lot of the recipes, like you said, have the plantains and, um, I've tried it in the past and I was not successful. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll try and do it now, but, um, yeah, all we can do is try. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I really love that. Um, the, that sounds like such a sweet tradition, and kind of encourages me to to maybe pick up some more this year. Um, oh, the only thing that we really did is like in Colombia, they they open the presents usually at midnight, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, that's my favorite part because I always hated waiting <laughs> too. So we've been doing that the past few years. Um, um, but it's just nice to hear like uh, the journey that another adoptee has been going through. And, um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, now as a final question, I would like to ask you, well, it's two parts. Uh, what advice would you have for other adoptees and what advice would you have for adoptive parents? For other adoptees, I would highly encourage you to seek out an adoptee community. If you can seek out a community that best resembles you as an adoptee, um, because because adoption is so complex and because there's so many different types of adoptions, if you can find one that that, like I said, resembles like if like for me a transracial adoptee, um, I've tried to seek out with them because they are going to kind of have a better understanding of what you're going through and to just kind of build that community. I've met so many people on Instagram, but a few of them that I talk to Mm -hmm. kind of on a regular basis and they are, you know, transracial adoptees and we really get a sense of like, I don't know, a tight knit community of understanding and and just knowing that you're not alone on this journey and you're not going to be judged. So, yeah. So find community. Um, and, you know, if you're comfortable, speak your truth. Know that this is your story. And if you want to share it, share it. Whether you're writing it down, whether you confide into somebody. Um, holding it in is never helpful. Um, it's very therapeutic to get it off your chest. The more I speak about it the more I heal and it has helped me to just be confident, um, just be a confident person in general. If you decide as an adoptee to find information about your birth family, just know that you can go at your own pace um, and that it is up to you what type of relationship you want. It is up to you what boundaries you set and to make sure that you set them um, so that you can really navigate this on your own time. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just to know that 
this is your story. I think after hearing people say like, this is your story and now it's time to flip the script, it gave me confidence in sharing only what I wanted to maybe, or making sure I speak up more when I hear somebody say something that is not really the narrative as an adoptee. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to talk for adoptees because maybe they know somebody or they watched a documentary or whatever, but we really should be telling yeah. the stories. And so, yeah, if you find that confidence or you find that, if you find that desire, you know, exactly. to make sure that you, that you can do it and that you're able to do it in a healthy way. As far as adoptive parents go, if you're an adoptive parent, I hope that you listen. Mm-hmm. I hope that you listen. And if you have uh, an adult adoptee, when they come to you with things that might have occurred in the past or feelings that they have might have had in the past, just make sure you are listening to that because it's real. And it's, it's real and it's very important that you understand that, you know, we're not trying to start issues um, and that we're finally able to see kind of the light and we're finally able to really see like, okay, this is how I really felt mm-hmm. and this is what you should know. Yeah. If you have a young adoptee, I would say try and get them in a community. I wish I had had that. Um, I think we were put in, I was put in, I don't even know what it was. I don't know. But if I I recall, it was kind of temporary. And I kind of feel like we were just kind of left to our own devices while the parents were in a separate room. Um, And Mm -hmm. and there might have been a grown up in the room, but I obviously I'm not really talking that highly of it. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that it, it didn't really, it obviously didn't do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. But definitely incorporate getting around other adoptees um, and their adoptive parents and allowing them to grow up with other people that are like them. Mm-hmm. And also incorporating their culture, definitely incorporating their culture, read books. It is important to educate yourself on the culture of your child, the, Mm -hmm. you know, what is going to help them thrive and be their most, you know, their best self as they navigate into adulthood. Definitely. And just to piggyback on off of that and what you said earlier in the interview, even if your adopted child doesn't seem like they're genuinely interested in like learning the language or doing Uh, learning about culture traditions or something like that. That's something that you should definitely try more than once to, Mm -hmm. to incorporate into your family and not just give up after one or two times of them complaining. Like teens are going to be teens. We genuinely don't want (laughs) to do what our parents, yeah, what our parents (laughs) want us to do. So um, as adoptive parents, you have that added responsibility to, to, to kind of, educate us in that aspect, even when we don't necessarily understand that we should (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. that. Um, So um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you joined me today. 
And if you would like to hear more from Adoptee Thoughts, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can check out my website, adopteethoughts.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.